But what does the Bible say? That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? As Christians, we throw it around a lot, don't we? I mean, it's a good thought, I suppose. But does it mean anything? You're looking at me horrified, like I've just spoken blasphemy. But stay with me here. You can always stone me later, right? But when do we use that phrase? And typically, how do we use it? Somebody shares an opinion. Our first response is, but what does the Bible say? Somebody voices a preference. But what does the Bible say? Someone is living a lifestyle and morally indignant. Somebody is quick to ask, but what does the Bible say? What's my point here? Most often when we ask the question, judgment is implied. It's a correction and often a limiting correction at that. You're wrong. And I'm going to point out what that wrong is based on what is really my understanding of the Word of God. I don't really care that you're hurting. What does the Bible say? I don't care how or why you got to this place. But what does the Bible say? And what's the real problem here? I don't care about you. And the Bible is my cover. What does the Bible say? Becomes my justification for reflecting attitudes that the Bible is really not okay with. But the phrase, what does the Bible say? may also be the most important we can ask if we understand it properly. Can we, dare we, start our conversation with some other questions first? Questions like, why does it matter what the Bible says? Why do I care? These questions start to examine our hearts, our motives. What if I want to know what the Bible says because I want to live in intimacy and harmony with the heart and will of God? And so if you open your Bible right in the middle, you come to Psalm 119, and there's 170-some verses. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And every one of those verses talks about our relationship to either God's word, his statutes, his ordinances, his commands, his will. So I chose three. I just pulled out three little passages. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. That's why it matters what the Bible says. If we seek God with all our heart. Psalm 119 verses 9 through 12. How can a young person keep their way pure? By living according to your word. Notice this is talking directly to God. It's a conversation, which makes it a prayer. I seek you, God, with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. 
Psalm 119, verse 32. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. I care what the Bible says because I love God so much. Reading the Bible informs me of God's unfolding plan to draw me back into fellowship with him. The Bible was not written primarily to be a law book or a rule book. More than anything else, it's a sacred history of a thwarted love relationship restored. And everything in it points to right now. All of human history has led up to this instant, this moment for each one of us. When we have decisions to make and things to worry about, but we love God most of all, and we desperately want to deepen our relationship with him. But we don't personally know what to do. And so appropriately we ask, but what does the Bible say? I'm not with righteous indignation challenging somebody else's opinion or behavior. I'm asking that question for me, and you're asking it for you right now, because to us, right now, it really does matter. Oh, we are so quick to focus on everyone else's opinion and behavior, but that completely misses the point of what we should be asking when we ask the question, what does the Bible say? The Pharisees were masters of focusing on the behaviors and opinions of others. They were the politically correct thought police of the first century. Some examples. Why don't your disciples wash their hands like they're supposed to? Why don't your disciples fast like they're supposed to? Over and over again, you, Jesus, are violating the Sabbath. You heal on the Sabbath. You tell other people to carry their beds or wash their faces on the Sabbath. Not even realizing all the ways that because of their desire to get around the law, get around God's word, they actually were the ones violating the Sabbath. What's the problem? Their passion is not on having a passionate heart for a relationship with God, but their heart is filled with critical judgment for others. But to tell you the truth, I want to move away from me, judging the Pharisees for their critical heart of judgment with my critical heart of judgment and instead concentrate on the right questions we can ask ourselves as we explore the question of what does the Bible say? Are you guys okay with that? <laughs> Where we just were is so yucky, I was feeling yucky talking about it. So we transition. So helpful question number one, what does the Bible say to me? What does this wonderful history revealed over 2,000 years, contained in 66 separate documents, written by different authors over centuries, all inspired by the same Holy Spirit, 
all telling the same story, read by billions of people through the ages. What is God trying to tell me through this book? Helpful question number one. Helpful question number two. What does the Bible say to me right now, at this particular point in my life, addressing my current life situation? And in order to answer helpful questions one and two, how should I be reading this inspired collection of writings, actually initially written for other people, addressing their life situations and needs? It's not like reading the newspaper or Mad Magazine, or the Babylon Bee, or listening to CNN, or Fox, or, or Dr. Oz. It really is legitimate to ask first. Before trying to answer the other two questions, what was God saying to the original readers, to them, in their time, in their crisis, in their moment of need, when they received these uh, inspired documents. It's not just that we are reading somebody else's mail, as we often say about scripture. But it was mail that was designed to be passed down generation to generation, so that God could speak through his word to each generation based on what they need, but in light of what he had already said to previous generations. That's part of the miracle of the Bible. Did you follow all of that? So we have to read carefully with respect for history and changing vocabulary and recognizing that the original books and letters were written in completely different languages than our everyday English. We can't just grab our Bibles, pull it off the shelf, and begin quoting chapter and verse with no respect for context, culture, or conditions on the ground. But neither is the Bible a dead collection of books from antiquity. Jesus treats the Old Testament as extremely relevant for his time. And we learn God's will as he, Jesus, revealed it through the New Testament and those who commented or followed up or showed us the implications of what Jesus taught. So what does God say through the Bible to me today, right now, during the quarantine caused by the Corona-19 virus or the COVID-19 virus? I want to personally offer a resource to all of you during this time of time of reflection and isolation. Beginning this week, I want to share my daily quiet time with you for you to use any time of the day that you choose. I will try to post a daily blog on the website that you can access at your convenience. I know for some of you, Bible study comes easy. You're able to listen to God through his word, no problem. You're able to make specific applications, see the connections, learn and grow. You have worked out how you connect with God through the Word. But for others, my proposal might be helpful. I offer this as a jumping off point, a template 
that you then can modify and personalize until it fits your relationship with God just right. Either way, we can travel the journey together. I propose that we do the book of Philippians, since we're already looking at it from an academic point of view on Wednesday nights. By the time N.T. Wright is done, we should be close to done as well, with a much better understanding and relationship with the book of Philippians. But again, our goal is not just understanding, but what does God want to communicate to me today, right now, from his word? So in light of that, just to whet your appetite a little bit, I want to read you a sample of some of the treasures that we find in this awesome little book. I'm convinced that God has a treasure for each one of us, each and every day, from his word. And so we start reading in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you see how many times he said all of you? This is not just addressed to one person. This is addressed to a group of people. Have, if you go back to that passage, look at what Paul prays for. He prays with joy because. How do you pray for people? Do you pray with joy for people? We go to chapter 1, verse 27 and verse 28. <clears throat> Paul says, whatever happens... Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Actually, back up. Conduct yourselves, plural, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you all or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you, plural, stand firm in one spirit, contending as one person for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Down to chapter 2, verse 1. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, today, do you get any encouragement from being united with Christ? Do you derive any comfort from his love? If Do you derive any fellowship? Do you Are you aware of any fellowship with the Spirit? Do you experience any tenderness and compassion? Paul says, then make my joy. See how much he's been talking about joy. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Kind of sounds like where we just were in verses 27, 28, 29, we drop down to chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends. I mean, don't you love that? Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, 
not only in my presence when I'm there with you, but now much more in my absence. I can't be there with you. Continue suggesting something he's already started, that God has already started in them, that they've already started. Continue to work out your as individuals and as a congregation, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We're not on our own. We don't just have a bunch of rules. God has begun something in us. He's already said back in chapter one that this God will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And here, not only are we to make every effort to add to our faith, to continue to work out our salvation, but the reason that we do that is because God is already at work in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. Chapter 3, we move on to chapter 3, verse 7. And Paul, talking about his own experience, says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss compared or for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Down to verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. I don't just want to finish the race. I want to win the prize. So I press on. I run the race just like that uh, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. And finally, chapter 4, if you'll turn to chapter 4 or read along, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's all about prayer. And the peace of God, when we pray that way, when in the moment of anxiety, in the moment of fear, what are we supposed to do in, in all the uncertainty that we live in right now? What are we to do? Don't be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's pretty relevant. You think maybe, perhaps, God has a message for us today, you, me, from the book of Philippians? Yeah, I think so too.